I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi everyone and welcome to Pixels, a podcast for the discerning gamer. Hello everyone and welcome to Pixels. Uh, this is a podcast where we talk about the video gaming news from all over the industry, usually. Uh, my name is Patrick Beja, that's not usually, it's all, all the time. Um, but today we have a very different episode, just like every year, we're at BlizzCon and we're going to be doing this show all about BlizzCon, everything that was announced, everything we saw, everything we tried. So hopefully, if you're a Blizzard fan, you're going to enjoy it. If you're not, uh, come back next time. I suppose. Um, as I said, my name is Patrick Beja, and we have a bunch of people around the podcasting table. We're doing this live, and uh, I guess I'm going to start by introducing everyone. First, well, everyone's going to introduce themselves. It's going to be easier. Uh, but first, uh, someone you might have heard about. Oh, uh, hi, I'm Scott Johnson uh, from the Instance Podcast, which I also do with Patrick, as well as Core for Heroes of the Storm and the Exploding Tire for Overwatch. Thank you for having me. Uh, well, you insisted. Um, so, also with me is uh, someone that you've heard on the show many times. He's uh, on uh, Pixels almost like at least once a month, basically. Uh, how are you doing, Ed? I'm doing well. Hey, pa Patrick. Hey, everyone else. I'm, uh, I'm from Four Player Podcast, and this is my second BlizzCon, and I'm really excited to be here. Excellent. I'm, I keep bringing the mic closer yeah, to, yeah, to his mouth. Really close, uh, yeah. and, and we're sharing, so what I'm trying to do essentially is get closer to him. And it's going to be very sensual. <laughs> Just got married, though, so I, it's risky. Um, all right. Uh, on the other side of the table, we have... My name is Rob, and I run... Closer, closer. I run a podcast called Omnic Lab, and I also do a second one um, about Hearthstone called Valence Chosen. And Omnic Lab is a strategic Overwatch podcast. Excellent. Andres? I am Andres. I, I'm also part of the Omnic Lab with Rob. We talk all about strategy and geek out over everything Overwatch. Excellent. And uh, the most beautiful smile in BlizzCon. I, I, no, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Oh, which one? Which one? <laughs> They're both yeah. good. I'm going to take it as me. Is that okay? Yeah, good. Um, yeah, uh, my name is uh, Taliesin. Uh, and I'm Evatel. And we are <laughs> Taliesin and Evatel. Don't do it at the same time. That's weird. <laughs> um, yeah, and we uh, run a YouTube channel called Taliesin and Evatel, a, a WoW-centric uh, Warcraft news channel. Can I say WoW and humor? Yeah, I mean, you can say it. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right, cool. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, I, mean, I was going to say, if you think that's humorous, then thank you. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. If you think that's humorous, then we're going to be fine. <laughs> we're going to be friends. <laughs> Um, all right. So, uh, first of all, thank you all for, for uh, coming to this little recording. Uh, it's the end of the second day. I am personally absolutely exhausted, so I don't know how this is going to go. Uh, how did... And anyone can start talking whenever. Just interrupt each other. It's going to be fine. Um, is it... Who's... 
who was here already before? Who who has done uh, more than one BlizzCon? Oh, is it your first? It's our first, yeah. Uh, okay. It's your first as yeah, well. Yeah, we're newbies as well. Okay, so uh, how was it for you guys? Uh, maybe Taliesin and Evitel saw. Get, get really close to the mic. Terrifying and exciting. Um, it, it's, it's that kind of thing where it's really easy for us because everything we do is the most exciting thing that's ever happened to us. So we get a badge, and we go, oh my God, look, we've got a badge! And it says our names on, and it lets us in the building, and then they give us a bag to go with the badge, and we're like, it's a bag! bag. And it's got stickers on it, and all sorts. And so, yeah, and everything that happens, every corridor we walk down, every screen we look at, every computer that's all shiny and stuff, it's just incredible. So we're we're very easy to please. (laughs) Even, like, spending $7 on a beer, we're really happy to do. Sorry, $7 on a beer, or $11 on a wine yeah. as we learned the hard way so we had six of those and loved every minute of it uh, we said $11 for a wine this is fantastic this is the best weekend ever um, so yeah that's what we've been doing uh, you guys oh it's been surreal so far uh, coming to BlizzCon has been one of my dreams since I was like 14 years old playing Warcraft 3 oh my god uh, I feel old <laughs> And uh, but finally we, we were able to make it happen with Omnic Lab this year and um, not only that but coming with media passes and stuff so it's our first BlizzCon and we were a ball of nerves coming over here because we didn't know what to expect we we're like oh man I hope we just get to enjoy the stuff and also meet with the people all that stuff so I know Rob has a similar feeling and you came from Japan Rob so that was a trip yeah hopefully the jet lag is not speaking too much but um, yeah this is very surreal for me like not just to be at BlizzCon but to get a media badge very last minute and second to meet both Patrick and Scott people that I've listened to in the car I won't tell you when I told Scott before this so <laughs> that he feels old off air but uh, yeah I, I definitely it's very weird like I've been around since town crier days and just loved AIE I even joined it a couple years ago but I didn't even start podcasting until after grad school because I've just been so busy And then I was really nervous for our show right after it started taking off a little bit when I moved to Japan. I was very scared that I wasn't going to be able to do it anymore. And uh, basically, you just sleep less, and it happens. <laughs> so I was pretty excited that happens. But yes, BlizzCon itself is both fantastic, exhausting, exciting, and a ball of anxiety the first time. But I feel like it's eased a lot because of our community that we have in our Discord has also joined a lot of us. We had some admins, some mods cool. help us out, and they've been very supportive. Yeah, everyone is amazing here. Yes, everyone is amazing here. Yeah. Everyone we've met. It's, it's really, I mean, for us, we've done it a bunch of times. Ed, how, how many BlizzCons is it for you? Um, this is my second. So I was here last year, and it, it was the 10th BlizzCon. It was super cool or whatever, but there wasn't like any really, really huge announcements other than Sombra. And so this year, coming back to have the huge announcement of the new expansion uh, was just com- completely unparalleled to anything else, any other conference I've been to or anything like that. I don't get the cool orange badge yet, but oh, I'm uh, not sure if we're allowed I had I had things to oh yeah I had things to strive for. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, for us it's been a, a few uh, Scott, and I have to say this. I mean, BlizzCon is always some uh, a special moment because. Basically, what you guys have been talking about, it's a moment to meet your communities and hang out with people who are like you. Like, in real life, you go to the store or you go to your job and you talk to people who don't necessarily know what, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, an enhancement shaman is. And you're here and you talk about these things and everyone is like, oh, yeah, of course, yeah, I do this and I do that. And everyone knows it. So you're really with your people. 
And uh, Blizzard, I feel, is sort of capitalizing on that. I don't know if you uh, noticed. I mean, of course you noticed, but the the initial video, which was they opened the um, the the opening ceremony, which was like super Apple like, and like it was a branding thing where it was like. We're all nice people. We all love each other. Like it's like our family moment. Like outside of the, our family, and the the incredible thing is that it's it's actually true. At least at BlizzCon, it's true. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I mean, I've been. This is what my now my sixth. I think you've been what two more than that, three more than Probably, that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it feels like yesterday that I had my first. So listening to you guys talk is freaky because I I remember this feeling of like ah this is nuts, <laughs> and this year is even more nuts because they've expanded. It's bigger. Uh, it's so much more than it used to be. But uh, yeah, like that community aspect is a real thing. It's the entire fuel of everything I do. Um, the fact that we got to do a live stage show this year, Patrick and I. For the instance, it was a was a big deal in lots of ways, but it was it was like this culmination of years and years and years and years of talking to community, working with our community, building a fan base, and having a, you know a, a genuine extended family. And then Blizzard this year decided to give us an outlet for that, and that was great because we get to really talk to the people who are kind of the tip of the spear and 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 maybe like us the most and. They all came out in force, and we had standing room only kind of situation happening with a lot of it, and that was a really heartening thing to see. So it's fun to go back to 2011 and think about what what it was for for us and what it has become at this point. Like 27. Yeah, 20. Yeah, right. Well, 2007 for you. Yeah, 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 that was your first one. Mine was 2011. But the idea that that uh, this thing just keeps growing is not shocking because Blizzard keeps growing. But it's a monster now. Like, it's just crazy. And the fact that they made a point in not only keynote conversations from people from stage, but also that video you just talked about. And just generally speaking, the community aspect of this year is at an all-time high. So had you guys been here back in 2011, you would have seen less of that. And I think Blizzard has just grown to embrace it. And it starts, you know, there's podcasts and YouTubers and streamers and and it's not just them, but they know that they are so connected to the player base that by by helping us communicate with them better, they're just bringing in more players, making those people excited. I would have expected, like I would have expected to have creative people around doing their thing. And I mean, it's not like Blizzard did you guys a favor by having the instance on because we couldn't get near that. Um, and <laughs> the queues around the block. And I don't know if you've seen, but I've got you know an orange badge. I'm legit. <laughs> okay, you know, kind of deal. So and and I. We couldn't get anywhere near that. Um, and, and that I expected from, from BlizzCon and, and seeing amazing screens and people doing their thing and talking about Elemental Shaman. No one talks about Elemental Shaman, but yeah, you know. I can't talk to you either. No, no it's, uh, <laughs> I expected that. But what I didn't expect and um, what Evie and I have been talking about, which was the most surprising thing, was the kindness. There's just kindness mm. everywhere. Yeah, it's been such a surreal experience coming in and having people just being so generous, like with their time and with their badges. So we met this little girl yesterday who was like eight years old and uh, she was admiring like my badges on my back and I was admiring hers and I'm like, hey, I love that well-played badge. And she literally just like 
tore it off and handed it to me. And uh, and it was like the perfect little moment of like kindness. And of course, I was like, no, 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 take take my amazing diva back. You were like too vehemently like, no, 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 no. Okay, 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 thanks. But it was it was it was so lovely and it was so sweet. And we've just I think that's been the most overwhelming thing and like even a little bit like emotionally because we you know people come up and they say hi and they they're so just lovely and supportive and it doesn't feel like anyone is kind of like stepping on anyone's toes like it's all it's like the more we make the more that it's just better you know like no one is trying to like surpass anyone or do anything like that and it's just it's been yeah it's been such an incredible feeling it it's it's weird because blizzard manages to uh combine find the balance between being that incredibly uh, uh, successful billion-dollar company and also preserving that uh, authenticity because it, it all comes from the authenticity of the company and the devs, which they're here to make money. No one is, you know, uh, has any uh, illusions, but it's still, it feels incredibly authentic in, in their love for their craft and for the community. So, um, I mean, could you guys speak to being veteran like not just veteran like goers to the event but also just people in general that are media and like viewing blizzcon from a completely different lens than the typical consumer what the the evolution of the event has become over time because you guys have seen this from diablo warcraft starcraft and then hearthstone comes in and then overwatch and then you hear the stories like what titan has from the main stage is just super emotional for people that have been here since the beginning well i mean for me personally since i spent a few years at the company it's it's been like a complete weird trip and first time i came i was invited by them and this time actually i I usually don't accept the invites but this time you know going on stage i wasn't gonna say no um but the, it, at the beginning, it was like two holes in the convention center, and now it's they have four holes plus the extra new hole. Like, it's it's uh, the consistency of the quality of the products that they've been putting out that is allowing them. And the you know, I keep saying authenticity. I think that's really a key factor as well. They keep proving to their fan base, even though you know you have people on forums who get angry and who, but at least here in the the epicenter of their community they keep proving that they can do this and that they know how to do things and they they're you know scott was was saying it a little bit it's a juggernaut now it wasn't like this before it was like something that was kind of manageable now i can't even imagine the amount of work that goes into it well not only that like it's a scale thing so so patrick's right uh Oh, thank you. I think we, it's a rare moment. Write this down. Patrick was right. But this idea that they could consistently make video games over the last 20 years that are fun, innovative, quality up to their own quality standards, polished to all get out, their alphas are better than most release games, like that kind of stuff. That's already a major feat in this industry that the rest of the industry seems to struggle with. Not everyone, but it's usually smaller studios that still kind of have the culture that lets them take their time or have standards that they want to reach. But more and more, bigger publishers with larger games are stumbling while Blizzard continues to not stumble every time they do anything new. I mean, and we've talked about this a million times, Patrick, but from the ashes of Titan came came Overwatch, and the Ashes of Titan was uh, expensive ashes. It was $150 million in like six years of development down the toilet. Just gone, and they said, nope, it's not right. We're not feeling it. We can't do it. And whatever other factors went into that. But 
to see them say, all right, well, what do we, what did we make? Can we take what we made and can we do something with that? And they made a $2 billion revenue shooter, a shooter Blizzard made. <laughs> That is the most popular thing right now ever. 2016 was the year of Overwatch, and I don't see it slowing now. Mm-hmm. And the way they're supporting it is obviously helping that. But it, that $150 million is like I, money I left in the couch now. <laughs> well, that's the difference, isn't it, I guess? And it's that thing of if it had been a different company, that wouldn't have been $150 million down the toilet. We would have got Titan, and it would have been rubbish. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think one thing that, uh, that they talked about on the instance panel uh, was... That like, oh, yeah, those guys. Yeah, those guys. Um, <laughs> that like, Chris Medson like brought Craig, uh, Craig Robinson, right? Um, like, uh, Chris Robinson under like his his tutelage, and he, uh, you said that you've heard from a bunch of people that 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 was something that Chris did all the time, and I think that that kind of culture of like the upper level executives are not above like just like saying, hey, you're new, let me let me come come hang out with me, let me show you kind of the ropes and show you how these things are. That kind of stuff filters down into a company that allows like 20 years of development to turn into basically turn out the same kind of games that have been they've been developing for years uh, i have a follow-up on that so uh right before i got here uh metzen arrived he showed up at blizzcon which is a little scary he used to have bodyguards so it tells you you know (laughs) kind of how you have to be careful but he's pretty incognito and he said hey we're down such and such place come come meet us so we went down to meet him and talk to him for a minute see their kids uh, and he's wearing a hat that if he holds it low enough and his beard's crazy enough right now that you really can't tell who it is walking around, um, which is good. But uh, I told him this. I said, uh, this is what Chris said on stage, and this is what I – we seem to hear this from a lot of people that come on the show or that we talk to in general, that you and others like you would not lower yourselves, but you would always see the new guy come in and go, all right, let's – Let's give him the vision, too. Let's have him feel what we feel about these characters, about these worlds, about this process, about these values, so that we leave them with the same feelings we have. And he said that's – he says we didn't always do it consciously, but he says that's, that's it. He says that's how I could retire and then two, a year and a half later tune in to the virtual ticket, see that cinematic, and know that his creations are in good hands. Outside, if you don't do that, you don't you don't build the legacy. There is no legacy if you don't if you keep all that to yourself. And 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 by that, I don't just mean his talent or his thoughts or his stories, but I mean his willingness to pass it down, so that a whole new generation of twenty something developers can come in and and be caretakers of that stuff in a way that we all respond to positively. I mean, I don't know what the magic is, but they killed it with this last expansion. They're killing it with their other games. It's I mean, you insane. see this with the cycling of the Apple leadership. Like, for sure, because, like, you got Tim Cook taking over from Steve Jobs, and there's a very clear visionary difference. I don't I don't know that it's I mean, there's an idealization of Steve, but that's a different. Um, but you've got that constant figure of Morheim. Uh, yeah, I well, think I think Morheim has a lot to do with it. Like, he is the one that, you know, gives the direction. And there's a lot of him, I think, in the company. And uh, you were talking about the, the missteps with, well, the big misstep with Titan. But talking to that trust that the community has for the company, even when they do mess up with a game like Diablo 3, uh, which I loved and played like, I don't know, 150 hours before Reaper Souls even came out, you know that they're going to stick with it and they're going to make good on it. So that plays a lot into the trust that, that the community puts into them. And that's just a small misstep. 
that was a fixable misstep, and they showed really quickly that they could fix that. In the case of Titan, they couldn't find the way to do it. But stopping it flat out, saying we're not doing it anymore, taking the hit, taking the loss, in the face of shareholders now and all kinds of repercussions when you do something like that, they did that to maintain that same trust. Like if they would have launched that thing broken, like you were saying, we wouldn't have liked it. The trust was broken. Where do you go from there? And then we never know if Blizzard's going to do that again, right? I'm not sure I'd have had that commitment. I get upset if I render a video and it takes an hour and, I have to, and it, there's something wrong with it and I have to do it again. I'm like, do you know what? Yeah, I go. could just say I'm really proud of this and I can put it out. I, oh, this is the best video we've ever... I think you're going to like this. We tried something a bit different with this one. Uh, I think you're going to like it. And uh, to, for that much development and that much money and that much... You know how much pe- the, the people put into that game. Um, you're, I think your mic is really, is really low. Oh. I don't know if- uh, do you, do you know which one it is? This is live podcasting, people. Is this live. any better? How's that? Any better? Like this? Uh, a little bit better. Yeah. We're, we're literally yeah. right in front of it. We, we cannot get any closer. We're doing that's a bit too much. John and John All right. And so, I mean, bottom line, uh, we love Blizzard. We think they give us reasons for loving them. Uh, but let's move on to, unless you wanted to add something. No, no, no. I just, it's funny that you mentioned Apple and it came up a little bit with like the ad and everything and the kind of the company direction. Um, it's funny because when I, when I see an ad for Apple and oh yeah, I guess this means our Apple sponsorship is gone now. But um, when I see an ad for Apple, it, it, you know, I feel like I'm being peddled a product and that goes for most things in the world. Um, when I see something like that for Warcraft with people talking about family and community and all of these kind of like buzzwords, which float around quite a lot, like I believe it. And it's that, it's that, it's like that authenticity is so real and I don't get that like anywhere else like in in your job in your life like it's crazy i was walking the 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 floor earlier and there was ian hasacostas who's helming uh world of warcraft now he was just hanging out signing like things for people and he was in the middle of the crowd and i don't think we would see that from many i mean maybe in gaming it's a little bit more intimate but it's it's rare i think it's a rare quality dishing out um pepe velcro badges like they were sweets as well he's like (laughs) he's like the most cerebral santa claus you've ever seen it's a beautiful thing (laughs) i would i would say that the, the a good comparison between the video that they showed and uh, would be with the in the Bethesda E3 conference this year. Bethesda did the exact same thing where they showed like the little kids and talked about how their their dad works for works for a video game company. Um, but I think the difference was was that it was less like let's film our kids and have them talk about us, and more just like talking about the entire community of Blizzard, of Blizzard games that they've created and what it feels like to be working for a company that has fostered and created that community and turned it into such a great thing. Speaking to that, uh, in the opening ceremony, right after the video, when, um, and you might, you might help me out here, what is the name of uh, Reinhardt's voice actor? Darren DePaul. Darren DePaul. Darren DePaul. He comes out, and like he, he's just a voice actor for the game, but you can tell that the, um, the company has influenced him quite a bit, and the audience that he's had has had a great impact of his life. You could see him kind of get a little bit teary-eyed right, yeah. in the thing, and he, he was getting very emotional. He's the sweetest person. Like, I was... I, should I tell the story? Tell, I guess, okay. tell the story! He, we were coming out of the press room, and he was in, in front of there, like, shaking hands, and I was like, oh, my God, it's Darren DePaul. Like, and and I, I come up to him, just want to shake his hand, and, and I go like, oh, I just want to shake your hand. And, and he goes like, 
I know that voice. And oh, he's, he's awesome. like, oh, I listened to the instance. And like he, he was taking the time to speak with everyone. And like not just us, but like literally everyone. He was getting stopped every two meters. And, and I think that kind of, again, authenticity, I think that we keep coming back to that word, uh, is, is found. I mean, I'm sure there are good and bad people in that company, like in every. But at least their love for games is, is uh, uh, most of the time very authentic. It's noticeable. So, you can tell it, yeah. it comes through. All right. Anyway, so we just spent half an hour uh, being total Blizzard fan- fanboys. Um, but I think it's important for people who don't have that connection to BlizzCon to understand why this thing is what it is, because no other company has anything like this. Um, there, there used to be some things roughly equivalent, and you might have like TwitchCon and, and other things like that. But it's not quite the same thing around one company. But um, all right. Let's keep gushing. Um, I do want to talk about the uh, cinematic for World of Warcraft. I don't know if we're going to get to talk about everything in the end because we're already running long. But the cinematic for World of Warcraft, uh, when that came out in the opening ceremony, um, I hope that everyone listening has uh, seen it and because we're going to spoil it entirely. Basically, for me, there was that moment where I'm a, an alliance player and there was the moment where... Um, uh, Sylvanas, of course, you know, jumps up and goes full banshee and has the banshee wail and like, and she yells for the horde. And you can see like the entire room, which is basically fifteen thousand people, going like, Rah! and and as an alliance player, I was like, I wanted to scream for the horde, and I was like, uh, no, all right, all right, this is okay, this is okay, this is cool. Oh, that's good if you uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And but I was really, I was really hoping that we would get this, the equivalent for the alliance, um, and I didn't know how they were going to achieve that. And that moment with Anduin and with the with the facial animation, it's like chills, and they they didn't only. Uh, managed to uh, to to do as well, but they topped for me that that Sylvanas moment, and the face of Anduin that that because you have the history with the character, you know who he is and his father dying and the legacy and the fact he doesn't like war but he's doing it anyway because that's what you have to do and he's the king and like it was it was incredible. Um, I don't know if you have. Yeah, I mean, it was just genuinely good filmmaking, wasn't it? It's that yeah. thing that if you just described what was essentially happening in that cinematic to someone who doesn't know what's going on, okay, we know that Lordaeron is really significant and really cool, and we know who those characters are, but essentially that is just two armies fighting each other. And right. it's chock full of Easter eggs and, and cool stuff, like when you say Sylvanas hits Bloodlust and the Horde, <laughs> uh, you know, they, they, they get their haste and they go for it, and it's great. Um, and But... Th- even then, the, the humanity that they put into that moment yeah. with Anduin um, and his... We got a great comment on our video about it, um, which described Anduin perfectly as a cross between um, Meet Joe Black and Legend of the Fall, which is just Brad Pitt. Both of those things. Um, so, um, what, what, a cross of both those Brad Pitts? That's amazing. Um, but it's true. And, and the, the, the humanity that comes through that... Um, uh, that that uh, that render, I guess, is the word. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm well, not sure. Well, I, I think what, what what's really um, so important about that moment was uh, his dad was basically like training him to be like a warrior, just like his dad was for like for years and years and years. And he decides to use what he's good at, which is his, his priest abilities. And so he throws the sword down on the ground, not like saying. I don't think I should be this warrior king, but just like I need a moment to regain my composure. And then he that's when he looks up into the sky and calls down the holy light and creates that 
crazy powered barrier, Boy, which goes way farther so. than any powered barrier I've ever seen oh, he's before. A, he's a, that, he's that a super powered offici- barrier. That makes him officially a discipline priest, you know. Yeah. Um, and what, what, what with the, the new Overwatch yeah. character also being a discipline priest yeah, right. uh, in light and shout. But I don't want to alarm any Alliance, you know, fanboys here, but. He also did a mass res in combat. He has got a hacking ban coming his way. <laughs> like, we're not going to see Anduin for quite a while. I saw this. some really funny troll tweets going out after that moment. There was, like, the, I think it was Hearthstone or somebody that's a big Hearthstone fan. is like, casting Circle of Healing zero mana. It wasn't that cool. <laughs> <laughs> and the Horde, the Horde just didn't focus the healer. It's their own fault. <laughs> Anduin, Anduin pops all of his cooldowns, and they leave him to it. They're like, you rush him. Rush him. <laughs> So, yeah, so go watch that video if you haven't. And if you have any history with World of Warcraft, you're going to be, like, amazed. Um, All right, so the expansion was announced. Uh, Battle for Azeroth. They sort of set aside the Void Lord stuff for a little bit, apparently, and are going... They what? They dropped old gods as a, as a term like four times. So I'm still under the belief that we're going to f- be fighting Azoth at the very end, especially since we're fighting Queen Ashara first. Sure, but not the Void Lords, right? Yeah. It doesn't go that far. But um, there's a bunch of new features. Um, I don't even know that I'm going to run through all of them. Uh, maybe you guys can tell us which features from the expansion you are uh, excited about the most? Yeah. Um, I just want to get out of the way before we start gushing about all the amazing features. Is is Battle for Azeroth the worst title for an expansion ever? Oh, I love ever? it. What? Really? Okay, no, this is great. This is good because I I, I think it's, it sounds like a bad patch. Yeah, me. I don't think it's uh, all that inspired. It's just a little bit on the... Um, but not, I don't want to say boring. I love the idea that we're back in this faction scrum. It mm. feels great. But Battle for Azeroth sounds like a code name for a product you're working on, yeah. and you're not sure yet what your title well, is. Put it this way: after the uh, launch, and you know this is our first time at a an expansion reveal, and we're super excited and, and want to do everything, and you know. But even then, um, Evertel and I took it in turns for about two hours afterwards to forget what it was actually called. <laughs> <laughs> this is like the game that we we actually make our living playing, and we were here and we saw it, and we. A number of times. You we still were don't like, remember No, sometimes. no, no. We were like, is it Ch- Champions of Azeroth? Back War of Azeroth, right? It, because it, it does have that like kind of like generic feeling. And like you say, it is almost like a code name for what you would eventually You guys are like, crazy. I get it, the double it, meaning. So I get that, we, get it. we get that they're fighting each other now, and later on they'll be fighting to <laughs> no, save but it's, for it's, Azeroth. It's you know. more than just... Uh, they're fighting each other. It's like Teldrassil was burned down. Uh, Lordaeron is in ruins, in more ruins than it was. <laughs> it's like it's it's. I think it it explains exactly what this is. This they're battling for the supremacy of their world. So I like it, but you know I I'm a fanboy. I like the whole concept uh, of yeah. the expansion, and, and it, it it informs everything about the expansion. Like we have the island expeditions where you're going to be going to uh, explore randomized events islands. Where where you're going to be competing with uh, a- another uh, team, another party from the other faction. You're going to have the Warfronts, which is basically a world PvP type thing. Not quite world PvP, but they're revamping the PvP tag on the servers. Warfronts are like world RTS PvP. I guess, yeah. Um, which no one quite understands them. And in our dev interview yesterday, I don't think they quite <laughs> understand them yet. But I, I, the idea is fantastic. And no one knows how long these games are going to take or what exactly they're going to involve and how first person it's going to be and, you know, how over- so, RTS style it's going to be. Just to explain very quickly, uh, th- those are going to be um, you on the ground playing the role of one unit from an RTS uh, game, essentially. So you gather resources, you build a uh, uh, 
buildings. You choose which ones you have to to build, and then you go attack the uh, uh, the the fort or whatever. But at the same time, the opposing faction is doing the same thing, defending. Or so there's this PVEVP uh, aspect of it, which could be really interesting. Yeah, it could be fascinating. I mean, the idea that, that Warcraft got away from the RTS aspects when WoW launched was was understandable, but kind of a bummer. Like, the, the idea that, that we were all looking forward to back in 2004 was, oh, we'll be able to take Warcraft into this new place, and I can be down there in the scrum. The problem is... The actual application for gameplay and systems isn't exactly one-to-one, and it can't be. And it's good that it isn't, so we've got this whole other thing. And for years, we've languished in, will Blizzard ever figure out a way to bring RTS back to it? And they had rumblings a few years ago. Greg Street, I think it was, maybe on our show, said, uh, we've been working on like a MOBA-style PvP-type game uh, mode, a battleground, but we don't know when it's going to happen, and it's probably happening, but we don't know. I feel like this might be that the eventuality of that and by that i mean you know they're not you're not creating units to just stand there till you tell them where to go mm. they're creeps they they you build a structure if it generates units they're now being generated and they're off yeah. to fight moba style uh which works for me so if they can do if they can if they can take what we know about mobas and in, and, and inject that in a way that's 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 fun and interesting great but i just think on the ground behind the back Collecting resources, making buildings is not the same tactile experience that an overworld sort of way of doing that is. So I think it's a risk. I'm super glad they're taking it. If I'm, I mean, I hope it works. I just, I just wonder if in a year we'll look back and go, eh, it doesn't quite translate. You know what I'm saying? Like it doesn't quite work any more than I think. If I was a character on the ground in Heroes of the Storm, I don't think I'd enjoy that as much as the way I enjoy it now. Like, there's something about the perspective of these games. Like, what is Diablo? Diablo is a lot of things, but what it isn't is a first-person shooter. That would be weird. Now, I understand that maybe we could make something out of that, but it's not no, that, Diablo. That's called Destiny. That's yeah. called yeah. Destiny. You're right. <laughs> so, so, all of that being said, I, I guess I'm glad to see them pushing something that seems a little risky, will not overall hurt the expansion but will definitely help it if it's rad and that's the kind of risk they have to take surely uh, at this stage the, the worry is that it becomes like a curio or a novelty um which is never fully explored in the way there's no yeah. doubt that it's coming from a really good place and it's full of love like the um the the building setup is purposely ripped directly from uh warcraft 3 you know they're using the same buildings in the same order and things like that and it's just a worry that it's going to be more mm. of an homage than yeah. an actual viable kind of gameplay but that's kind of how, how Warcraft works, right? It's like an iterative game. They plant things into the game, which in the next expansion becomes slightly better or is just scrapped completely. It's like the same thing with the, the island quests that they're adding into the, the next expeditions. Expansion. Yeah, the expeditions where you have these islands, you have three people, you get on them, you gather resources, you maybe go up against AI, like really smart AI NPCs. Advanced, yeah. Advanced AI, sorry. Um <laughs> And that is something that I'm just kind of trying to wrap my head around a little bit, like how that mm. would work. Like, how do you do? How do you do AI in an in an MMO? Like, is that? Well, apparently, when you start a boss, they send a rogue to sap your priest, and then it runs away, <laughs> and you're after. Do you know what that reminds me of? That that's got like hints of Shadow of War and the kind of the Nemesis system. They were talking loads in the deep dive oh. yesterday about how. You know, they want these advanced AI characters to have their own personalities that you remember. So when Sneaky Pete is there, you know what Sneaky Pete's <laughs> going to do. And you hate Sneaky Pete because he does that thing that you don't like. The sapping fiend. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and there's that 
kind of sense of you start a game and there are these enemies that you recognize and you feel you have this relationship with as well. Mm. And that, that all kind of, kind of, sort of yeah. smells of the Nemesis yeah. system in a way to me. A little bit, maybe. Down. I mean, definitely there's, they need to bring in new features and big new features. Otherwise, you're just playing the same game from 2004. And uh, I think those, some of those, yeah, some of those might not work out, but um, they're interesting uh, uh, to explore. And I, I agree with you guys. I think they might not know exactly how the war fronts are going to work out yet. They, they seem to have more of a grasp of the island expeditions than the, the war fronts. And they sound cool. Nail, nailing what PV, PvP should be in World of Warcraft has constantly been a back and forth, swinging the pendulum one way or the other, trying to see what sticks and works. And I'm not sure they've ever really found the best thing. There are certainly people who love whatever it is. Uh, Winter Grasp was amazing for a lot of people. Some people didn't get it. Uh, some people love world PvP. I think they're addressing that interestingly with this update as well, which you haven't talked about yet. But PvP continues to be that weird target, and they're always aim, aim, aim. And sometimes they take a shot, and they go, okay, let's see how this goes. Doesn't work out so well. That sounds like me in PvP. It sounds like me in, <laughs> it sounds like me in life, honestly. But I'm really glad they're doing that. It's like this constant thing in the back of their heads. They're like, guys, we come from this. We need to be this for some people, or else the legacy is lost in a way. And that is, not to go back to fanboyism, but that's one of the things I love about this company. Left, we right? never left. <laughs> but they've never let go of, of those what they value, and all the money in the world doesn't seem to have changed that. They still want to do it right. And I don't know how you copy that. I don't know how you chase that. But I, I, hope, I hope this is the PvP we've all been waiting for. And if it's not, I'm fully confident they'll keep trying until they figure it out. Um, all right, let's move on. Again, I could talk about PvP for a long time. Uh, we have the uh, new continents. Basically, Horde and Alliance are going to be leveling from 110 to 120 in different continents, and then you can explore both. But so that keeps having the uh, the, the the all of the features are informed by the conflict, um, and they look amazing. Like it, it really felt. Like they they had something that happened that made this look even better than it did before. It was great in Legion already, but the the alliance zones especially, I was like I was I turned to Scott and I was like this is almost Pixar Pixar level. Like it looks like something that they could that I'm sure they could do it better if they want if they had unlimited uh, power resources. But it looks like something that they would do if. The, uh, like it co corresponds to their image of what they would like it to look like exactly um there's the allied races there's the heart of azeroth which is essentially a new artifact thing which is unique like everyone has the same one and it allows for other items to have special powers so well we're not going to get in into that but if there's one feature you uh you have to pick out as the one you you're, you you want to play the most or um i don't know I'd um uh, for me, I, I thought that the the actual feature set was kind of smaller than other expansions. Um, it may, maybe Warfronts will become this gigantic thing, but like you, like everyone was saying, it, it kind of didn't seem very. It seemed very nebulous right now. But for me, I think that that allied races seems like a cool idea that they can continually expand on. I hope that they add more allied races like before even the the game comes out as more options and stuff like that as they just come up with ideas and stuff like that. Um, so just to explain, allied races are basically different races you can go and recruit throughout your uh, leveling experience. And you can then, uh, once you've completed the quest, uh, create a new character 
uh, that will be level 20 and that can level through the world, which is now, by the way, uh, uh, sectioned off in like 20 level or 30 or 40 level chunks where the uh, leveling, uh, 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 how do you call it? Uh, the leveling uh, scales, right. Um, and yeah, so so they have races like the uh, Nightborn Elves, the uh, Lightforge Light Nights, the Void Elves, the Zendalari Trolls that are going to join the different, uh, um, uh, well, the two factions. Yeah, I was a, I was a little disappointed that we weren't just going to be able to like potentially race change our current characters. Well, you can if you once you've unlocked the thing. You don't have to go from twenty. But you to won't get the cool heritage armor set, right? If you level them from twenty, you get this awesome transmog. Yeah, and yeah. That's, your, that's your prize. Yeah. No, that's that's great. But uh, by race change, I mean for free. <laughs> oh, oh! Like, <laughs> I feel like that with my sub as well. I, I just, <laughs> you know, I, I like it. It's fine, but I like it more. Yeah. Um, all right. Any other thing from oh, Wow? Thing, real quick. Uh, it's all about level scaling, and that's it. Okay, level scaling. So I mean, you're going to go. I love everything, and I'm stoked. And it has to do with these uh, allied races, obviously. But I to go back and make old content refresh again, like make it a useful thing in the game again, and have it be rewarding. Completely down with it. I love it. I want to go to Pandaria again. I'm ready. Let's go. And the the oh sorry, go sorry, ahead. No, just one last quick thing about the Allied races. We just did a demo um, with the Lightforge Draenei, and I have to say they have the most magnificent beards. And like, <laughs> and like this is this is a game with like you know Prophet Velen in it, but they are they have the greatest beards. The best beards this side of the Instance Podcast. It's, I mean, they're they're good. They're good. Um, yeah, and the the uh, dynamic leveling thing. They're, they're doing something interesting where uh, they're putting together, clumping together. Like, like two expansions. So when you reach level 60, you can choose to go in Outland or Northrend, and that will take you from 60 to 80. You can switch between the two and go wherever you want, whatever zone you want, but it's still in that 60 to 80, you're going to be there. It's not like you can do from, I don't know, one or 20 to 100 in one uh, uh, section. So you still have that feeling of progression. And I, I don't know how much we're doing it justice, but like right now, and they mentioned this during the thing, is is when you're leveling up one to sixty, the basically the only way to actually truly level up is just to run dungeons over and over again. Because if you try to quest, you're gonna run out of your questing zone bef- before you you get to anywhere close to the end. And so the, their their solution to this is just like the level scaling of uh, Legion across every single zone in a way that allows you to just com- continually quest through a particular c- continent area or whatever until you decide to leave. Um, but also, they want to keep like Eastern Plaguelands as being like the scary place that you're not supposed to go to as a level one. So they're making sure it's like starts at f- level forty for Eastern Plaguelands, which it's, it's I th- I, I'm so glad that they did that because I was so I was so nervous that by them scaling up. All these these zones and that's the other thing is that there's a max too. So if I'm going back as a level 120 in Elwyn Forest and I fight a bear, I shouldn't be scared of that bear because it's a level one bear when I first fought him. You know. So basically, leveling is going to look like Elwyn Forest, Redridge, Northrend, Pandaria. Done. Yeah. Ready. Yeah, ready to raid. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Swap out. Uh, swap out Pandaria for uh, Outland. Whatever. Like you, whatever you like, you can go do. But it's an elegant solution. Uh, ESO has this with their one Tamriel update, and it's nice. And it made that game really relevant to me again. Played the heck out of it. I love the idea of doing that. But it does diminish this thing where I'll never out level anything. So Blizzard's found a nice middle ground where if I accomplish what I need to in that zone, then. When I go back there later with that character, I can feel powerful, and 
I think that's important. I think they know that. So they've done kind of a hybrid here that really works for me. Because they can. They've got the depth can. of content exactly. that ESO doesn't have. They've yeah. got, you know. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, oh, wait. Your favorite thing. Did they say? Well, but, I haven't played WoW since Wrath of the Lich King, so it's been a minute. <laughs> you are right, the target no, no. audience. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I was about to say, one of my gripes when playing uh, back then, especially with the next few expansions, was that a lot of the previous leveling areas feel very negligible, right? Like you had no reason to ever go back there and just feel like this vast, empty continent with one populated area. Um, so that's really nice that they doing thing. And another thing that I like is uh, bringing back the trolls. I love all of the troll artwork and like all those designs. I love the new continent that they're doing. Yeah. yeah. And they have dinosaurs. Zombie <laughs> dinosaurs. Zombie dinosaurs. They have uh, trolls that can stand upright. So let's do this. <laughs> All right, let's move on to uh, Overwatch. The Omnics over here have been very silent. Um, we had a bunch of things Hannah uh, announced for Overwatch. The, the Reinhardt short, which again captured my heart. Um, the Moira, who's a new character, she's a healer. Uh, and we had the new Blizzard World uh, map, which is a hybrid map. And that was like fan service central. Um, really quickly, was I the only person who thought that Blizzard World was reeled for a second. Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, hands okay. Down, I literally everyone. went. <gasps> I just knew that it wouldn't be Kaplan. It'd have to be right. Uh, you know, all the main guys. And so my, I had cognitive dissonance. I was like, Are they <laughs> exactly. going to? What are they? Oh my gosh! And and I think the audience too was yeah. like, Oh. Yeah. And then and I thought maybe it'd be like a part of Disneyland or they had a deal with Universal or something. Yeah, some. Like I was expecting. Part. My brain was going. And then I went. Oh, they're doing a map. All right. Good to know. I'm not the only. It's one. an Overwatch <laughs> announcement in the Overwatch stage. Let's calm even down, after, people. Even after the, the the they started to show the map like on the screen, my friend was still confused. Like, are they, there's. He's like, what is this? Are, are, they, are they are they going to do a thing? And I, and I turned. And I was like, they're doing a map. And he's like, uh. <laughs> it was a bit confusing. Um, but, well, if, since we're on the map, um, let's tell a little bit more about it. It's basically a theme park within the game that is uh, dedicated to the games that Blizzard, the company within the world of Overwatch, has developed. But that company within the world of Overwatch has not developed the game Overwatch. Uh, so there's only StarCraft, uh, Warcraft, but Diablo. Titan is massive for that company. Oh, right, the right, game. Right, yeah, right. it's raking so it in. They can't, yeah. Um, and there's so much fan ser- service in this. There's like, uh, I-, I mean, I don't know if you saw, but some of like the restaurant is called uh, Snacks Ramus. And they sell Death Wings. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's, it's amazing. Um, and the, it, <laughs> and there's, it gives them the opportunity to bring in uh, the characters from those games in the world of Overwatch uh, realistically, quote unquote. And so we're going to have skins that are uh, uh, Blizzard games themed for uh, uh, Overwatch characters. So you have Butcher Roadhog, you have Nova Window- Widowmaker, Black Hand Doomfist. Like, it's it's a bunch of... There's a really StarCraft cool Arisa that looks yeah. over 9,000. Uh, I, I couldn't help but think that the Black Hand Doomfist was just a little on the nose. Just a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> um, so yeah, that, that map looked really good. What did you think of the, the healer? As the, the Moira. support main, I will be taking the helm on this one, Andre. Sorry, um, Moira is at first glance talking with a few guys, uh, slightly underwhelming, but also very intricate. She's very complex. She's not easy to play. Um, she's easy to have fun with, which is important. And 
not easy to understand is the only difficult thing I have with it. She's not very approachable to new players. But I think what you're going to be seeing is with the launch of Overwatch League and adding this new piece to the puzzle is going to invert a lot of brand new compositions and team strategies. And one thing that I was hoping to see yesterday that Korea or or not Korea, sorry, uh, United States did, which was they pulled out a triple support at one point. And I was like, mm, but no, he was just choosing Lucio to speed him to the choke and then pull out. So, but I, I think Moira is very dynamic in that way. I felt like it was it, it was two things. One, it, it seemed like a direct hard counter to all the Reinhardt Arisa like gameplay that we've seen recently with her uh, her ultimate. But um, I I didn't I actually felt like as soon as I started playing her, it was very intuitive immediately. Um, her your choice of left click or right click to heal or do damage, I, I pretty much got it right away. And then when you used your E ability, um, it allowed you to to kind of it, thro- it throws a ball like towards towards the enemy or towards your your players. And if you're just running along with the ball, you just you you can get healed up. So that's pretty much the only way you can self heal if you're not using your ult. And then her blink or her like teleport away or whatever fade is like the most. OP thing I've ever used, I think, because <laughs> you, uh, I got um, hooked by a Roadhog, and I just turned around real quick and faded away, no damage taken, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but I, I, I was able to to do a good amount of damage. Uh, me and my friend, we did double Moria, because that was the that's the, the strategy um, at BlizzCon. <laughs> um, so we, we did double Moria, and um, the first round he got like five medals, two of which were gold, and the second round I got like three or four, medal, three or four medals, two of which are gold. So that, it seems pretty, pretty easy to pick up. Um, so the, the interesting thing with her, as you, uh, as you mentioned, she has a, a, hel- a, a healing meter that depletes when she's healing, and in order to uh, replenish it, she has to do damage. So he, she has the left click, which is essentially uh, maze uh, ice spray-like uh, mechanically, and that heals. And then she has the right click, which does damage in the same way that uh, Symmetra's mm-hmm. uh, uh, beam does. Yeah, uh, No ramping, but it, it's that thing. She has the ball that she sends out that's that can rebound everywhere, ricochet everywhere, and that sends out like healing or uh, damaging tendril, depending on the one you, you send. And that fade where you... Yeah, yeah, of course. You can send two. Um, and the fade, she basically disappears for a second, gains 500% uh, speed uh, boost. And, but it's just a second. But she's, like, untargetable. She's just not in the game anymore. And she just she can control it. So it's not quite a blink. It's not like Tracer or, or Genji. It's like um, Reaper's Wraith for, or Teleport. Yeah, on but super, super fast. And, and so you can, you can be walking in one direction, see that there's someone shooting at you, just fade, turn around, go around the corner, and they will never know where you mm-hmm. are. So that, that's re- and, and then her ultimate is this. Any Dragon Ball fans here? Yeah. There you oh, go. There's yeah. one. And that's a total Piccolo like... Piccolo beam cannon. Yeah, <laughs> or Kamehameha or, you oh, know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and it's like it heals and damages everything in its path. Scott is like barfing right here, um, and it, it feels like so powerful, and she can move around. So anyway, so did you get a chance to try her, Andres? Yeah, I really like Mora. One of the things that I like the most about her is um, her kind of backstory and her attitude. I love like the whole kind of like mad scientist glam kind of. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Ambiguous sexuality, like kind of like that style, and um, her desire to like pursue science like that, like 
genetic kind of madman kind of like vibe that she has to it joining the bad guys not because she's a villain but because she just wants to accomplish her goals pursue all that she, stuff she feels like a villain a little bit i mean she's some villainous. people like, yeah. she's villainous yeah she's willing to you know do shady things to accomplish yeah. her goals and her kid represents that too you know what i mean being having like that heal and damage and she feels like amalgamation of uh different characters like orissa reaper um you got symmetra and you got may kind of like all thrown into one with slightly little tweaks uh she's a very fun hero she's very different from all the other healers as well that her play style is very upfront is very um aggressive in a sense you want to be right next to your teammates you want to be kind of like in their face because your main heal has a very short range and it's not very effective if you're not like next right to there them. yeah yeah and on top of that you have to kind of like keep it on them so it requires like a certain level of skill to like be able to perform with her and the, the other thing is once your healing meter is is empty it takes forever to recharge so if you're not playing well and choosing when to heal You're just, like, when it's empty, you're not healing. Yeah. So your teammates are going to die until you actually do damage. So it's, she's going to be tricky well, to play. Well, the heal does recharge very slowly yeah, on its super own. slowly. But I feel like she's more of a symbiotic hero, and we haven't really mm. seen that yet. Like, there are support heroes you kind of feel like you have to babysit, unless you're really good, like Zen players, like Rock is dumping on Tracer yesterday, which is crazy. But Moira is very dependent on somebody else. But in the same light, she's also very helpful and like other heroes can be very dependent on her so you're able to really delineate mm. kind of the pairing of the support stick together type mentality when you're playing overwatch you can play zenyatta with her and you can heal each other you don't have to use that heal like you're mentioning uh, on your own um, by yourself and you can you know support the supports with some damage you can do everything you can get out of the trouble by yourself if you need to you're not really dependent to escape which is right. extremely important playing your own support mm. so this is probably she's probably going to be available on ptr i mean they said very soon and usually that means next tuesday so uh the uh blizzard world map should be live early 2018 but i'm guessing it's it seemed ready so i'm guessing it's going to be uh it's going to be arriving p fairly soon on the ptr and then we had the reinhardt short which showcased his indeed incredible fabulous hair yeah. which was was i i'm sure you know Thalias and you uh, were absolutely uh, uh, amazed by. I, well, I've, as you can see, I've modeled myself on it today. <laughs> um, or did they model it on me? Who knows? Um, <laughs> it doesn't matter. I mean, it's just, yeah. Um, but so there was this, the, this uh, again, bringing uh, uh, depth and texture to the character because you know that he's a little bit goofy. You know what his ideals are, the chivalry and all of this. And he was a crusader. But then, and we've been playing in the Iconval map, and that short shows what happened during that battle. And his mentor, who was telling him what to do, and he was like, "Whatever, I'm young. I'm gonna go be an idiot." And and like he's still a, a soldier and powerful. But then his mentor dies and sits on that throne that we've been seeing forever. And you understand the uh, uh, gravity that that is you know on the back of his mind somewhere always for for uh, reinhardt that makes the character uh so much more complex not complex but like uh, uh tragic deep i don't know what the word is but um i know this is probably just me so it's okay if no one else thought of this all i can think about is dude freaking dispose of the body like normal it's just gonna sit there it's gonna smell bad it's gonna start stinking like i understand that there's poetry to it 
but when I realized, oh, they never moved him. <laughs> He's about that's 12 foul. foot tall and yeah. made of metal. Yeah, in that's they, I, true. You move it. But in there's like, <laughs> like if somebody, somebody, that's a good point. But if somebody bumps it now, like an arm thing's going to pop off and out, <laughs> like some kind of primordial human goo flesh is going to fall out. Like I don't, I'm not into it, but I really, uh, 100% on everything you said. That's an amazing thing. I loved it. It was awesome. I, I love that about the um, the Overwatch storytelling as well. There's been uh, talk recently about uh, the depth or not of, of um, Overwatch storytelling, but I love how most other games, if they'd done that, we would have got that cinematic before we got that map. Exactly, yeah. And I, I like that we got the map last year and we've had time to get to know it and to wonder what that story was and then we can go back and mm-hmm. say Brechtian, you know. It's a, it, it's a completely different experience because you experience the map first and then you understand why. So in your mind, when you see the, the, the short, you're like, oh, that's what it is and that's how it went. And, and so it has a lot more impact on you when you've been through all of this. Um, all right, so Overwatch, cool as always. Hearthstone. Um, again, I'm going to turn to you guys. Who, who plays Hearthstone regularly? Among no, she doesn't. Okay, I had, to, I had to stop because Hearthstone is the one game that makes me rage. Oh, really? Like, yeah. Hearthstone. Yeah. Yes, well, I you know. say the one game. <laughs> <laughs> we live together. Called I've out. seen it. <laughs> yeah, it is the one game that literally makes me want to throw my okay. laptop device well, across the room. You know what? Maybe uh, with this new expansion called uh, Kobolds and uh, Catacombs, which you know, standard expansion, you're gonna have a hundred and whatever how many cards, and you're gonna have um, a new keyword. There's like there was this really funny bit with Ben Brode who was doing this role playing thing where he was a dungeon master for the whole room and telling them there's this this part where you have like this path you have a door with a gold glimmer coming out and the uh, um, you know or the other part where there's a tunnel with goo and and ominous sounds and the whole room was like we go to the tunnel and you're like what are you de-? all right you're all dead uh, are the other people what do you want to do and that many was really things funny. I, I was expecting from BlizzCon. One thing I would never have expected was an entire arena of people chanting the word death, 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 <laughs> quite so gleefully. <laughs> um, so there's all of that. We're going to get a, a legendary ca- card, Marin the Fox, who's, that's going to be available very soon. And the expansion itself comes out in, uh, Nove- uh, in December. And uh, we have legendary weapons, a bunch of stuff that are really cool. And the new dungeon runs, which are, I mean... I, you can talk about the expansion itself, but the dungeon ones are what uh, kind of piqued my interest because, as people might know, I've played uh, Hearthstone nonstop for like a year and a half. It was my life. And then I, I stopped playing. And the dungeon ones are randomized bosses, but also you only have 10 cards at the beginning and you gain cards. And it's like a roguelike, a roguelike where you come back and when you die, you keep the cards you've earned and you do it again to keep progressing. Like, that seems like a really interesting feature. Yeah, um, I, I actually am a personal big fan of that feature. Uh, not only for myself, but for my girlfriend. Like People like her, I think, are going to benefit from this feature quite a bit. Because she's the kind of person that loves the game of Hearthstone, but she cares for she doesn't care at all 
for the competitive side, uh, and she would never touch it. Like she would never build a pre-made deck and go into the ladder and do all these things. So she ends up playing arena, which is the only other mode in that game that allows her to not have a full collection and still enjoy the game mm. on equal terms as the other people. Um, and I think that this new mode is amazing for people like her because then she gets to enjoy just playing the game, enjoying the features, and feeling like you have a, a really cool deck that you can build through the run. But you never have to worry about, oh, I have to go with the meta because if not, yeah. all these people are going to beat my ass. Kind of and, it, like that. and it's PvE, so there's not the, the same amount of, of stress yeah, and, very and, low pressure. and maybe rage that some people around the table experience playing. Um, and you also have, like, you start with 10 cards. That's really smart because 10 cards is so uh, much. What's the opposite of unwieldy? Is it wieldy? Like, it's so much more. All right, nimble, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) It's so wieldy. The 10 cards are wieldy. manageable and to understand for someone who's not uh, uh, as much into the game. So it feels like a pretty clever feature. Um, Yeah, go ahead, Rob. Yeah. I'm going back into this game based on this mode alone. (laughs) Do you think that's. Am I, am I, in your opinion, you guys teach this stuff through your shows. You're like looking at the more deep strategies and how to play this thing and how right. to build your decks. You think a guy like me that was like, CCGs just don't do it for me. I'm more of a complete freak about roguelikes. I love them of all kinds. I buy them on Steam without thinking about it. <laughs> so when I saw that and heard that, I went, this is my way back to Hearthstone in a way that is huge. Or is this just a gimmick mode? I'd love to know what you guys think. I think that. the replayability is, can't be a gimmick. Because if that's the primary feature to draw you in beyond the gameplay itself, then it's drawing anyone in. Because then you're going to have a unique experience regardless if you're playing the same boss over and over again because you're going to be able to encounter it with different cards. And you can't just build a single deck run it against the wall and say, I can't figure this out, so I'm going to craft something new. Because you're given a random pack at a time, and you're getting multi-random packs when you get up to the 10th boss. So, and I was playing this a lot today. I actually sat next to Jocelyn Mossett, oh, is and that, we were working that, through this upstairs. Is that mode available? In the, in the arena, yes. Oh, I didn't realize. It. So Damn it. Right now at the... Was the, Jocelyn raging? No. Oh. We were, we were kind of enjoying it together, and we're like, okay, so... Where are the Easter eggs? Let me click all the things. <laughs> That's what we were doing. Um, but yeah, she's like, ooh, this card back is shiny. You know, the typical jo- Jocelyn approach to card backs, which uh, I'm sure she'd appreciate. But um, we, we were really trying to, like, think, oh, I haven't seen that boss yet. What does he do? And, like, we're just writing down notes. But they have warrior, priest, and mage available. And you can only do up through three rounds. The consistent thing right now is the first boss is always a whelp, and it's 10 health. So you that don't, seems it's that very seems approachable manageable. for a new. It's, easy, yeah. it's extremely easy. Like you just hit it in the face a bunch of times, ignore what's actually happening, and you're done. Um, and the, it's fun, which is funny because its hero power is actually pretty busted. It's just it's just shadow formed, like deal two damage for two mana. Um, but like the the features that Scott was bringing up is, I think what we were hoping for because what happens is you have people that rage on the regular that (laughs) love the game and that hate the game. And it's a consistent approach that happens when you encounter consistent issues with a game mode that you, you like, you can't always win. Like the game needs to be balanced. You can't always win. And this is a game mode where if you're really good, you're really smart and you're also enjoying the game, you don't have to. And you can also, you can, if you want to, you can just win every time because you're, you're smart enough to. 
And you don't even have to be that smart. It's very approachable. It's, it was, uh, I was doing the Icy Vein podcast earlier, uh, podcast earlier in the day, and Lorinda on that show was telling me, um, I love the game. I love playing it, but sometimes I've, I've, I'm arenaed out or I'm ranked out. And I just want to keep playing, but I don't want to mess up my, my MMR. Or, and that mode uh, is going to be great for him because that's the relaxed Hearthstone experience. And same if you're in public transport and you don't want to play a ranked mode because you don't want to mess up. You can play that, and if you lose, it's not the end of the world. I was going to say the really cool thing about this mode is that it allows you to be very creative. I feel like when you jump into the ladder of a Hearthstone, you're kind of a little bit limited in the thing, the amount of things that you can try. Like, sure, you can build a crazy priest deck with some gimmick or something like that, but when you bring it into the ladder and you lose, like, seven games in a row, there's, like, this motivation factor. You start kind of, like, losing the, the interest in playing the deck, and you're like, man, I really want to be creative with this, but I... I can pull it off. And this game mode allows you to do these things because you can get really creative with the decks and then a lot of them work, especially because they've added all these new cards that are, as uh, Jeff Kaplan would say, OPAF. And it makes it really fun, like playing with all those things, just building a completely different deck that you would never be able to build on the ladder and experience it. So they're different cards from the actual, like they're specifically yeah. designed for this mode? To give you an example of one, uh, I think they showcased one in the main stage. It was the, what's the name of the card? The Pyrobla- Pyroclasm? Something like that. It's a 10 mana card that when you play it, it casts random Pyroblast, which deals 10 damage to any hero, ends at random, and it only stops after one hero is dead. (laughs) (laughs) I think I saw another card come up that's literally destroy your opponent's deck. That's actually a a playable card. Wow, really? So it's really complex. I was reading this this morning, describing to Andres, like, wait, 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 say that again? (laughs) Basically, it's a three, it's a three, it's a warlock, six mana, three, six with taunt. And it's which is already bad, and then you get a card that's five mana out of it, and it's a seal, and there's five seals. So the seals will summon a, a two two, and then put a ne- the next seal in your hand, which oh, wow, is really okay. bad. So it goes two two three three four four five five, and then when you play the f- the, the last one, you get a ten mana ten ten destroy your opponent's deck. So basically, you're already like just even to get that, you have five. Uh, it's uh, 31 rounds. mana to pull it off. Right, okay. So, so it's, it's actually really bad. Okay. Because it, unless the card says after investing 31 mana into an entire sequence, win the game, it's not worth it. Yeah. <laughs> so, But there is some other really cool card in the arena area that I was just like, this is the best card ever. Sorry. it's it's a <laughs> He's it's really a, excited. I'm super freaking <laughs> excited. It's called Wish. 10 mana. Fill your board with legendaries. Heal to full health. Okay, nice. You know what? These cards don't sound like they're going to solve my rage issues with <laughs> Hearthstone. Like, they're, they're, yeah, seriously. Because, like, Seven that. Blood Mage Thalnos, go. <laughs> but I think when you have like a, this kind of new format of playing the game, like that's fine when you don't lose your rank or you exactly. don't... Exactly. Like, yeah. that, that actually sounds like something that I might come back mm. to because if, you know, if I'm not like losing my time and money and mental health to, like, uh, <laughs> to this game, you know, like, like, then you know, I, I could go for it. I think I might come back for that one. And, and that's the one thing. Like, all these... OP cards are you're playing against the AI, right? You're not playing them against another person because yeah, if you play it against another person, that's like chair flipping kind yeah. of event. It's chair flipping, table flipping, <laughs> yeah. mic flipping, people flipping, like um so before we move on to heroes, uh the expansion itself, not this new mode which is gonna be available for, for everyone, of course. Um 
what do you, what do you guys think about the expansion? Is there anything notable uh, about it, like the legendary weapons, or like what would you? Um, um, well, you're the Hearthstone experts, so well, expert is very loose term in this, in this context. <laughs> well, you do a you. podcast about the game, so in my book, that qualifies I have you the as experts an expert. With me, I just tell them that what to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think that right now we, like anything, there's a drip feed. The cards come slow. It's really hard to. Evaluate a card in a vacuum, you run through the vanilla test, and it's good, and then you get all the other cards, and you're like, wow, that's trash. But what you have to remember with Hearthstone is that these cards are going to be going into two venues, and now we have a third that you can evaluate these cards. So you're going to be seeing these with that new mode that Scott brought up. And additionally, I think the last thing about the event that was really cool, we haven't mentioned yet, there's 27 exclusive arena cards. That are coming. Oh, okay. And I haven't realize. seen any of them. I saw a bunch of tweets blowing up my phone. I'm trying to test this thing. And um, they're all coming from Hearthbone, but they're really cool. Scott, did you see them? Didn't know, but it didn't. I see. I saw something on one of the panels. I was in the press area. They were saying that the, the audience was helping choose the first nine yes, or something. That's correct. They're like voting or something. Right. So out of BlizzCon will come whatever the first nine the of first those cards revealed. are. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. It that's sounds really, cool. really intriguing. Um, but, so yeah. it's just arena exclusive cards that, that you are, can't get on ladder, you, can get, you can't get yeah. in packs, and you can't okay. even get in the new mode. But okay. um, it's the the whole thing just is super exciting. I even happened to ra- randomly see Ben Bro just walking by before this event, and he said, "This is going to be the best BlizzCon for Hearthstone," and I couldn't be more on board. And I thought you couldn't beat Lord, like League of Explorers and Ni- uh, Knights of the Frozen Throne were like my favorite two expansions so far, and Old Gods is a close third. But man, this one, going out in left field, using the Warcraft lore a little bit, very loosely, and then just diving into all of this new stuff is just incredible. It's going to pull people in so many different directions to try new things. It's great. Cool. Uh, Yeah, and kobolds are going to protect their candles, so everyone's happy. (laughs) Uh, Heroes. Uh, We had a couple of uh, interesting announcements for heroes. Uh, First of all, the the new heroes, Alex Straza and Hanzo, it was basically... Dragon versus Dragon. Um, and uh, the, the interesting thing with Alex Straza is that she is an actual dragon, not like Chromie, who's never in dragon form. Um, she actually transforms into a dragon in the game, and you control the dragon on the, the, the board. Um, and Hanzo is Hanzo, and he plays... I, I say this for every podcast I do. Basically, you run around on your own, uh, try to shoot four people alone, you die, and rinse and repeat. That's how Hanzos are played. Scott disagrees. Uh, I don't disagree. He's just... I mean, he's a ranged assassin. Uh, he's going to be great at poke. He's going to be great at, like, all right, too many people are on that. Uh, too many opposing players are, are hanging around the, the object, uh, objective we need, and I need to hold them off until my backup gets here. So he's going to be great about kind of keeping them on their toes. He doesn't have, like, incredible range. Like, Chromie's got better range than him, but it's pretty good. And he's not sniping people to death. He's just poke damage. And it's good. Um, I think he's going to be great in the game. And, and for, I didn't get a chance to play him yet, but I was very impressed with what I saw. Alex Straza, on the other hand, is a very strange support character. Um, she heals. She is, af- after all, the life bringer. Uh, she so she lives up to that. Uh, she seems awesome. So again, haven't played her either, but I'm excited about an actual dragon on there. I can't stand Chromie. Get her out of there. Let's get a real dragon in there. Uh, but both looks seem like good additions to the uh, to the thing. I'm a little sad we didn't hear about a new battleground. There's a hinted one in the cinematic they showed. 
that also, I don't know, it's hard to say whether that was a hint or that was just, hey, look at the cool Nexus portals. Uh, I, I don't know, but I'm really into Heroes right now, and I think the game is at its best it's ever been. They're really killing it, uh, and I and these seem like fine additions to the roster. But it's not the biggest Heroes update event ever. HCC is a bigger deal this year. And, uh, I mean, there is also, you mentioned Heroes 2.0, or did you? In my head, you did. So... Um, and they, they're talking about the uh, 2018, the 2018 gameplay update, which is going to change a bunch of stuff. Uh, there's, like, differences for, the, um, for stealth, for lading. There's the performance-based ma matchmaking. Um, but can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so uh, we had an interview with uh, Claudio, forgot his last name. Oh, there goes Patrick. I'll be right back. Are you peeing or what? He's literally peeing while I'm recording his show. <laughs> you guys, we can do some serious damage we right now. We can say anything we want. Uh, all right, I'll stay on topic. Uh, so uh, the laning, the laning stuff's very interesting because one of the big complaints we had coming into this con was there has been an uptick in some cheese play by characters like Asmodan and Murky and other characters who go bot, let the other four go fight up top, and it's always been a strategy, but it's just, it's to the point now where they're just wiping out defenses so quickly that you, 90% of the time, will lose that map if they get the first keep. The stats are just there, and it sucks. So, for people who are playing that cheese play, it's really frustrating. Uh, you do what you can to counter it. If you have a coordinated team, it's different, but when you're playing quick play, which is a the most viable mode, you need to have that be a better experience. So, one of the things they're doing is they're taking ammo restrictions away from all towers. Oh. So there's no more running out of ammo. And that's what would happen. It would run out, and then Asmodan would just have free reign. His minions are slamming into the gate. There's no resistance, especially after his quest where he's now super powerful. I always thought it was really weird that the towers had ammo for an MMO. Yeah. And they yeah. loved that. That was a thing. They, uh, he told us, he says, in the initial stages of the game when they launched it, they loved that at that addition because it did create this like on-and-off scenario Oh, they're off. Let's do a thing. Oh, they're on. We need to be careful. Like, they liked it as a, as a construct, but it didn't pay off. Mm -hmm. And they have removed that completely, so nothing has ammo anymore. Also, the secondary towers that are like those little, just like the little extra extemporaneous tower that isn't tied to a gate. Yeah. Those are gone. So you don't have to kill those. And the reason for that is you just mow over them. If you're that far in, you're just, there's like nothing. It may as well not be there. So they're kind of a waste. On the other hand, So losing that seems like a, a, a nerf, but having ammo that doesn't end is a bit of a buff. It's going to stop that kind of lane cheese, and it is a real, it's a real game changer, or as I like to say, a real lane changer. <laughs> and then the other thing, <laughs> and then the <laughs> dad joke's on point. My kids aren't even here to hear him, or maybe they are. Anyway, uh, and then the other thing was, uh, I'll just quickly speak to stealth. Stealth changes are basically, it's much easier to see a stealth character. Uh, I hate stealth in games, most games, not all games, uh, that are multiplayer games. I love stealth in a single-player context with, like, you know, Splinter Cell, those kind of games are great. Uh, uh, Assassin's Creed, whatever. But I don't like it in multiplayer games. It's pain. It seems cheap. I don't like Overwatch it. Overwatch does it well. Overwatch watch does do it well. If anything, this is them. one. Yeah, there's only <laughs> one. Well, one, yeah, the, yeah that's true. Uh, but this game's got a few... And they're kind of cheese picks, and you don't see them in pro play either, and they'd like to see these characters in pro play because they do offer other things besides being stealth. 
So to help curb that, they will be way more seeable. They're still invisible, but it's way more obvious who they are. Now you'd think, well, that's dumb. Then what's the point of stealthing? Well, the point of stealthing is if you're still playing smartly, you're hiding in bushes, you're doing more outer play, Nova, Zeratul, these others have way more powerful hits inside of stealth than they would out of stealth. Uh, they have advantages, I can list them all, but there are advantages across the board when they're stealth that make them way more powerful characters. They've also been buffed greatly. That's good characters. to hear, because I, yeah. like, Zeratul is the first character I identify great. with, and he's, like, one of my favorite heroes, but he's I can't play him anymore. Exactly. So either, I've either started playing Probius because cheese it's cheese. Exactly. You can, <laughs> Probius is in trouble with this new lane thing. He's my anyway. favorite hero. Sorry. He's, pre- he's pretty great. He's pretty great. But the, this change means that... Uh, the other team isn't getting just cheaply hit all the time. On the other hand, there's a risk-reward for the stealthers themselves. If they can be good stealthers, they get real benefits. And if they don't, they get out of stealth and they're vulnerable. Towers also now reveal stealth in range. That should have been in place. Should have been there the whole time, in my opinion. Exactly. And there have been some nice stealth reveals, and it's good picks for certain characters. But I think this is a good thing. So it's a real give-and-take of nerf and buff here. But I feel really good about... Uh, that and and also the performance based ranking stuff or performance based matchmaking is a huge deal. Uh, the game needs it. I personally predict I will go from silver to gold, possibly diamond, very quickly. We'll see. We'll see. Explain what it is. All right. All right. So the way it works is, and I'm not going to be very good at explaining this because well, uh, you want to explain it. You probably know the math. It's very term. much like Overwatch, to be honest. Exactly. Yeah. yeah Basically, the, the way um, uh, ranking is being calculated in Heroes now is based on your wins and losses, and your performance do- doesn't matter. You win, you go up. You lose, you go down a certain amount, and that's it. Uh, the way they're going to be doing it now is more akin to what Overwatch does, which uh, means they're going to be looking at how well you perform in that match according you know to your role and if you do well you'll and you win you'll go up uh, more and if you do well but you lose you'll go down less and uh, vice versa so um, more or less is there more to it than this or I mean the, the performance thing is the one thing that's like how you're doing is going to be sorry the, the, the performance is going to be nuanced per hero which is a big trick right no that's what explain. i mean that's yeah, what i mean yeah. it's like a okay, per then. hero uh, basis which a lot of people who who think they're stuck in mmr hell uh, are saying oh well then that's that'll be great that's how i'm going to get out of my and i think a lot of people are not going to be moving so much and going to realize that that is actually their rank because they've been playing for two years and if they were stuck in MMR, I mean, even with MMR Hell, after su- such a long amount of time, um, you still manage to climb or, you know, if you're really good. Right, it doesn't change the win rate. That's right, the key exactly. Thing, is your win rates are going to kind of stay the same level, but you're going to be losing less rank when you're just dumping on the other team and still losing. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, I'm really good at Probius, but if Probius goes out of the meta... And it's just what I want to play, and I'm in ranked, and people are mad, and I'm doing well. I'm not going to lose as much rank. Right. Right. You, in, and in, in essence, you get to play who you want to play still. Right, right. And get, get benefit, it will benefit you less to be punished. playing well, less punished. And the other real key here is that it's half the time. They, they showed, so the example they used on stage, and they said they don't encourage this on individual behavior, but that for whatever reason, that was their example. They had a Smurf uh, Grandmaster take over an older bronze account that just never seemed to get anywhere. Took that account, uh, normally would have taken them 250 games to get them back to Grandmaster. 100 took games them a, half. 
It's crazy that you could do that in half. So see you in Diamond. <laughs> well, I won't be in Diamond. I'm in Platts. Uh, you, you might be, but I, I certainly won't. But the the thing is, on um, in Overwatch, it works like this already. And I'm still in gold. I mean, I think I should be uh, uh, at least plat. I'm still in gold. And... I mean, I don't know. Maybe you'll you'll benefit from it, and you will you will climb, and then I'll be jealous and uh, super angry. But we'll we'll see how it goes. We can only hope. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, I think that's about it. Uh, there was a bunch of things with uh, social uh, features being integrated, being integrated in um, World of Warcraft, like the voice Blizzard voice is being integrated into WoW and Heroes. There's communities in WoW, basically like kind of channels, groups uh, that you're going to be able to join multiple uh, of, bunch of stuff, nothing on Diablo. Uh, Star- Starcraft 2 is going free to play in November. So that's, there's a new commander, that's true. Um, so that's cool, but I think if you're not playing Starcraft 2, you're not going to start playing all of a sudden. Be- I mean, we all have it, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah so, exactly. Um, and uh, what's happening? Live? I'm getting messages from some of our moderators that there are Overwatch League announcements coming to the Mythic stage here shortly. And you don't know what the announcements are. That's because they haven't given them yet. Yeah. France has been kicked out. Well, France uh, managed they to beat China. And uh, not in the Overwatch League. Yeah, in the, South Korea yeah. won the whole thing while we were recording this. Yeah. In case you're wanting more spoilers. There you <laughs> the, so F the French. What? Why? I don't know. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's French the French. <laughs> um, I've heard they like that. <laughs> the, um, right, the, for the Overwatch World Cup, uh, France... Uh, managed to beat China, but lost to Korea, and then Korea beat, beat Canada uh, to win the Overwatch World Cup. But at least we didn't lose to China, which was which was nice. The the U.S. lost to uh, South Korea, which is that not was very the surprising. Finals, by the way, that what? No, I'm just kidding. It was, oh, that, yeah, yeah, as far as skill it, level, yeah. that's the match you don't want to you don't miss. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I feel like that should have been the finals. Yeah, I just, yeah. just want to sneak this in. I'm super proud of the U.S. team. Yeah. They really yeah. made us proud. Even though they, we lost against South Korea, they pulled their weight, and they really showed us that we can fight them back. That and third match was crazy. It, it was the, incredible. Where they, in, where they came to a draw or whatever. I, I, I was just, I was, we were walking around going to dinner, and I just couldn't take my eyes off my phone watching the game. It was incredible. That was amazing. Yeah. And it was oh, I'm almost, sure. what, I'm sure. over 300,000 yeah, yeah, yeah. people watching it on Twitch uh-huh. or something like that. It was ridiculous. Yeah, almost 300,000. I mean, I will say that France did really well. Um, I didn't see they the matches, did. but really, I'm pretty sure they did. So, yeah, and you're confirming. So thank you for uh, confirming my French bias. Um, <laughs> but this brings us maybe uh, say a few words about esports and how much space and mindshare they're taking in the the whole convention and for blizzard in general but it really shows here and it's it's again it's another thing that's getting kind of crazy um i guess you know some of you guys have spent a lot of time watching different esports maybe overwatch maybe others but it's it's getting kind of insane right i I just really enjoyed the fact that this year they moved. So last year they had the Overwatch uh, like arena kind of built up in that one corner, but this year they took up the, the entire arena, which last year was StarCraft. And so it's just great to see the growth that's happening for that game and how much of a mind share it's taken for esports across the entire world and just the level of play that I was able to see 
um, for all eight teams. It didn't matter whether they made it to the finals or not. It, it was it was just great. I I was amazed. And there's this new um, uh, viewer experience, which was I thought worked pretty well. Uh, so my friend uh, Chris Chan Man V was telling me there are issues here and there, and they're not used to it yet. But I thought like the colors make it so much more viewable for everyone. But uh, you, I mean, yeah, speaking as a WoW player, the the Mythic Plus Invitational stuff this year has been like an epiphany moment, really. It's, really, it's yeah, it's like a light bulb that's just gone off over the entire player base's head. You know, it's sort of, this whole side of the player base has just been awoken to the concept of esports in a way that they just didn't have before. You know? Were you a little bummed out that the that we didn't see that Mythic Dungeon Run stuff, uh, competition stuff at this event? Like, I uh, felt like it could have been made more of. I would, have, I would have made more of an effort to, yeah. to watch it. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. All right. Uh, I think that is going to be it for this episode. Um, thank you very much, guys, for, for showing up and for uh, sharing your passion for the world of Blizzard. Before we leave, uh, please let us know why, uh, how we can uh, get a hold of you on the internet. I like why. Why is good. Uh, I can't tell you why, but I can't tell you where. Go to frogpants.com uh, or Scott Johnson on Twitter. You'll find everything I'm doing between those two sources. And uh, I've got all kinds of shows over there. Patrick and I do a show called The Instance every Friday. Uh, sometimes alone, sometimes with other people. It's always a, it's always a little bit of a guess who's going to be on every Friday. But um, check that out. And if you're interested in uh, Heroes of the Storm and more talk like that, I cannot recommend enough. You check out the Core podcast at frogpants.com slash core. And thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, Adidesis. And I stream Monday nights uh, on 4pp.tv. And we stream every night over at 4pp.tv. And on Thursdays, they record a podcast. Um, maybe one day I'll be able to get on there and, and, and join them. They do, um, maybe maybe with some Patreon money. <laughs> <laughs> do, do, do you want me to to write you a note or like to tell them to to send them an email? I can I can do something. No, that no, they know they know I'm good for it. That they just uh, it, it, they do their podcast live in uh, Austin, Texas, and I do not live in Austin, Texas. So that, okay, <laughs> that I can't really do anything yeah, about. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you want to pay for my flights every every week. Sure. Yeah. Uh, let give me you your bank account number, uh-huh. and you'll see that money yeah, real okay, fast. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you guys want to watch some more stuff with Overwatch, uh, we do a strategic podcast. This is focusing on the players, not so much the esports, but it will be coming. But we're going to be analyzing the esports in more of a strategic side than a news update style. Um, it's called the Omnic Lab. You can find us at omniclab.com, and you can find all of our links at omniclab.com/links. You can find me. With the inspirational Twitter that's come from your host, Patrick, called Not Rob instead of Not Patrick. It's very easy to find. I made it in 2009, so I got it right after I heard him for the first time. It was really funny. And then you can find Andres. Yeah, you can personally find me on Twitter as well at iPlayGames. You spell that I-P-L-A-I games. And you can also find my music blog over at SoundCloud.com slash iPlayMusic. And uh, we are Talia Sin and Evertel Do Games. Um, you can find us on YouTube, uh, Talia Sin and Evertel Do Games. On Twitter, we are Talia Sin Evertel. Um, if you're looking for World of Warcraft content and, according to Patrick, humor. Um, <laughs> and probably the best way to find us, to be honest, is just to Google it. 
because our Excellent. URLs are a little tricky. That's probably the best way to learn of our Warcraft news as well, to be honest with you. <laughs> Don't watch the channel, just Google it. That's what our channel should be called. That's what we're going to call the weekly show. Just Google it. Why, just Google it. Why are you listening yeah. to this podcast? Just Google it. <laughs> um, I'll have the links to uh, your Twitter accounts in the show notes so you can find all of this there. Uh, I'm not Patrick on, on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, I'm also uh, available at Frenchspin.com where you'll have my shows and Frenchspin.fr. Why did I call my, my website that? I it's really, I don't know. Uh, Frenchspin.fr for the French versions and the French shows. And uh, that's going to be it for us. Very quickly before we leave, uh, favorite thing from this BlizzCon in like one word? Uh, cinematic. Anduin. Moira. USA versus South Korea. <laughs> Beards. <laughs> Jaina. Unrelated. Oh, okay. Excellent. Um, I'd say cinematic as well. That thing was incredible. All right. Thanks, everyone. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Yay! <laughs>